0: To Future of Tech, hosted by Avishai Sharlin, Division President of Amdocs Technology. In this podcast, Avishai sits down with technology leaders and some of the most innovative minds in the industry to learn how they are disrupting the present and what kind of impact they foresee for the future. No topic is off limits, so sit back, relax, and maybe take notes because what you hear on this show might just be a glimpse into the future. How does innovation happen? And how do you disrupt an area of business that's been woefully left behind? Those are the questions that Pascual de Mayo asks himself as the General Manager at AWS, where his main focus is building and constantly improving Amazon Connect. The job is meaningful to Pascual because it brings together many of his passions, including inventing, inspiring innovation and helping customers solve problems. On this episode of Future of Tech, Pasquale dives into how his team decided to build Amazon Connect and then bring it to market as a disruptor in the contact center segment of the tech industry. He also predicts the future of the contact center and emerging technology as a whole. He says that anyone working in the space needs to be thinking about innovative ways to make things more personal, dynamic and interactive with a mix of both technology and a human workforce and you have to do so while maintaining a foundation of security, reliability, and scalability. It is only when those factors come together and we embrace a culture of experimentation that we see true innovation and disruptive change.
1: Future of Tech is brought to you by Amdocs Tech. Amdocs Tech is Amdocs' R&D and Technology Center paving the way to a better connected future by creating open, innovative, best-in-class products and continuously evolving the way we work, learn, and live. To learn more about Amdocs, visit the Amdocs technology page on LinkedIn.
2: So finally, we are alone, Pascal. We can uh, chit chat and uh, start our discussion. Welcome to Future of Tech. I'm happy to have you with us. How did you find yourself in, in the technology uh, domain and how you uh, found yourself working in, in tech?
1: Great to meet you today. Um, thank you for having me. So I started off in technology, really, I would say as a kid, it was always just my passion. I always loved building things and designing things and seeing how things worked. I destroyed a lot of uh, my family's audio video equipment, taking it apart and putting it back together again. I'm sure they, they didn't love that, but it definitely was just a natural curiosity I had for almost anything technology related or anything fun to play with uh, and, and to flow around with. As I got older, uh, it, it became clear that there was a lot of opportunity to actually go do things that were more inventing and less just um, exploring. And I, I ended up going to college for uh, electrical engineering and I loved it. I just really enjoyed working with technology and, and building things. Um, at that point, uh, I'll date myself a little but there was a lot of analog circuit design going on and I thought that was just the most amazing thing. And then once I started to really dig into computers, understand how things like chips worked and registers and things like that, it, you know, it really became a digital uh, fascination for me. Uh, I left college and went into took a job at a Microsoft and, and that was a lot of fun for a number of years for me. And I just decided I wanted to do something really, really excited in the cloud at some point and that, that's when I decided to go to AWS.
2: So you mentioned that uh, you worked for Microsoft. How was it to, uh, to move uh, between companies? Is it the same culture or is it different culture? How was it the, uh, the trans, you know, moving from one big corporate to another big corporate?
1: I love my time at Microsoft and I learned so much there. there when I first joined, um, you know, I got to work with some of the smartest technologists in the world right out of college. So that really did um, influenced me a lot on how I thought about building for scale. You know, we were working originally on, I was working on Windows and Windows was a gigantic software platform. And it was, you know, it was it, that that development process was obviously slower than the, the cloud world is today where we can build things and change things instantly and deliver them to customers immediately. But it was incredibly, you know, what we were doing there at the scale we were was incredible. And so I love that about it. Um, the people I worked with there were tremendous. Um, and and honestly, it definitely, set a lot of my views about, you know, thinking about how any one decision you make can impact millions and millions of customers. So you have to be very careful in those decisions. Even 1% of the people using a program, the size and scale of Windows is a huge number of human beings. And so every time you make a decision, that can impact them.
2: And how would you describe your current role with uh, AWS?
1: Yeah, um, at, at AWS, uh, I'm a general manager on a product called Amazon Connect, which is a contact center on the cloud. And I I absolutely love it. Uh, It's it's something that brings us up on my passions together. I was talking about customers a minute ago, and I think customers are really the focus of, of Amazon's business to begin with. And in no place more is that true than in the contact center space, which is a place where you actually are powering the technology that enables people to engage with their customers. And so when I think about wanting to be able to help a customer solve a problem or show a customer how to do something, or maybe just educate a customer on, on their options on what they can do next, you're always going to be touching that customer from the experience standpoint very directly. And Amazon it has spent, you know, years working on building the relationships we have with our customers, building the trust uh, through our security and reliability of our products and making sure folks can really believe in the Amazon experience and have a great experience selling products. And so when I saw the tools we had built to engage with those customers, you know, we never want a customer to have a problem, but when they do have a problem, we really strive to make it so that that customer is more excited about being an Amazon customer than they were before they had the issue. So we had to try to treat them so well that they feel like that is actually a reason to stay and become even more of an Amazon customer. And that's always what we want to do with our, our customers. And the technology that enables that is our contact center in a lot of cases because this is taking those agents who will need to help those customers and connecting them as quickly as possible with that customer uh, and making sure the agent they get connected to is the best one to help them the first time so that they don't have to wait on hold, so they don't have to get transferred, but instead have a really amazing experience with that agent the first time, and then also take the technology and make it so it's transparent, so that the agents don't have to spend time thinking about the tools they're using, but instead thinking about how they're going to help that customer, really engaging with that customer in a way that the customer can tell it's a personal thing, and this agent is out there to solve their problem, and that's the only thing that's really on their mind. So let's take it step by step.
2: When you first approach the um the solution, there were other solutions in the market. So what was the different angle that uh, drove you to, uh, to take some steps and create your solution as opposed to other things that you've seen in the market?
1: Absolutely. And, and that is always a question you have to ask yourself is why would you build something when you can buy it? If you can, you buy the thing you want. And so this really started about 12 years ago um, with a small team that was tasked with trying to figure out how do we want to power Amazon's customer service. And so we did look at what was available, but we couldn't find anything that met our needs. And so instead of focusing on trying to bend something that wasn't really designed to deliver the level of customer service at the, at the high scale that we needed to with more than 70,000 agents at Amazon, we knew we had to be able to have one of the largest contact centers in the world. Uh, we decided that we really need to build it. Uh, It started with things like security and reliability, which is always our top priority. We need to maintain that customer trust and they always need to know they can always count on us to protect their data, to protect them and to also deliver their, you know, a great experience. Uh, And so as we started building it, we would periodically come back and look and say, has the market caught up to where we need to be around that security and scalability, then the flexibility, the self-service so we could change, change ourselves. Were they able to Build that you know, build self-service experiences and deliver them to the customer immediately. Could they deliver the natural language understanding pieces? All these things we kept that into the product. And it just always felt like we were weren't able to find anything that could deliver what we wanted there, and also gave us the empowerment that we had that we wanted to be able to control our destiny and deliver these things the way we wanted to very quickly. You know, the velocity of innovation. We just could never find that. Finally, um, about five years ago, we looked at what we had and we said, well, we're still not be able to find something that can deliver what we want to deliver here. Maybe it's time to sell this as a product to customers outside of uh, Amazon to companies that want to deliver exceptional customer service. Maybe that's something they'd be interested in. And so I actually just started talking to customers, these potential companies that wanted to buy would might want to buy this. And every time I talked to them, they would get very excited about the ability to be able to move really quickly, to control their destiny again, to be able to make their changes on their own, and to be able to scale up and down. Uh, they also love the fact that they don't have to manage any hardware, they don't have to deal with any of the challenges that are. Legacy, these legacy systems had around being able to have a data center and, and multiple data centers and, and trying to drive and, and manage telephony capacity. All these pieces, which we often at Amazon call undifferentiated heavy lifting, because it's not like you're getting any benefit or competitive advantage by managing these things. It's just costing you money and making your life hard. So when we can take that on and offer you a solution where when, Amazon, when a customer comes to us and wants to use Amazon Connect, they don't have to go plan for six months, eight months. They can set it up in less than five minutes and have a fully functioning contact center where they can take calls immediately. You'll take your first call in Amazon Connect in under five minutes if you just go through and, and set up a, a basic ins- instance. Now, of course, when you want to build a 70,000 agent contact center or even tens of thousands of agents like many of our customers have, um, then you're going to want to take that and you're going to want to customize it a little more but that's all straightforward. We have a graphical user interface, you, 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 know, you press a button like publish a contact flow, which allows you to create an, an IVR, an automated experience, and that's immediately available to you. And so when we looked at that piece of it, these customers just got very excited about being able to take, take that on and drive their, drive their future and really control their destiny. You
2: know, every, every manager has a philosophy uh, and for sure every manager that develop a new product is always explaining why There are many, many things that are missing and why you needed to develop uh, from scratch. Now, what's your philosophy? Will you first uh, look outside uh, to acquire, maybe look into the open source community? Lately, I know that Amazon, uh, or maybe in the past, Amazon was banning open source, lately was embracing it uh, warmly. So what's the philosophy around that uh, from your perspective?
1: I'll take a step back and say the number one goal always is to deliver the product that the customer needs and so you need to be flexible in that in that direction. you look at what does the best job and then you select that if you can find something that's that's cost effective and works well externally, you definitely should go with that route because if it does what you need and you don't have to build it yourself at a price that works, that's a great outcome um, but Often, cases, we find that isn't the case, and this was definitely one of those where we, you know, we were incredibly excited about this opportunity. We decided we wanted to build it ourselves. It doesn't mean we wouldn't use open source software. In fact, open source software is used at Amazon in a number of places, and it's a question really of does it, does it deliver what we want, and does it have the reliability um, and the capabilities and the scalability we need to deliver for our customers with it? And I would say that you know whenever we do anything with any source of software, whether it's homegrown or open source... We just spend a lot of time evaluating it, testing it, hardening it, making sure that it just works the way we need it to. And that really is the driving decision factor there. Uh, It's always best if you can find something that works, that costs less money to deliver or can move faster. So open source is always interesting to us, Um, but building ourselves is always interesting too.
2: When people say AWS, people say cloud. So how did the cloud work out for you when when, uh, looking into this domain and how it, uh, you know, propel the uh, development efforts and, and obviously the product itself.
1: Yeah, I was incredibly intrigued by the cloud, um, having built packaged software before and shipping it on CDs even, uh, probably most some of your listeners won't remember that. Um, when I saw the power of what the cloud could do in terms of delivering software to customers immediately, the scalability of it, you know, Amazon Connect can scale from one agent to 10 agents to 10,000 agents uh, essentially instantly. And so our customers know that we can grow and, and shrink that way. And that's something that elasticity allows them to deal with surprises. I mean, good surprises, like maybe a sale is a lot more popular than people expect. They get a lot more phone calls. You know, sometimes there's a problem and they need to take a lot more customer service calls. You know, recently there's been a number of challenges with the, uh, the, the COVID-19 um, um, pandemic where customers have really needed to be able, and governments have really needed to be able to deliver uh, solutions where customers can call them and get answers immediately. And one of the things about the power of the cloud is we actually had one customer who came to us at midnight, uh, on a, I believe it was on a Thursday night, and said, I need to have a contact center set up for, for, my, um, for my callers by tomorrow morning at eight. And so we looked at each other, said, let's have a cup of coffee and let's get this going for you. And we actually had them up and running with a production contact center um, by 8 a.m. that next morning. And so that, to me, speaks a lot to the power of the cloud because. It didn't, because we had already built out this infrastructure and we prepared to scale it up and down for customers, we're able to help that person immediately. And that changed life. You know, it can change lives for people. And, and that's really what gets, I think, the people who work on my team excited. It's what gets me excited is being able to deliver for our customers, hopefully whenever they need us, you know, as quickly as possible.
2: Let's talk a bit about innovation because I've seen, first of all, I've seen in your LinkedIn profile that you have many patents under your name. And I was wondering, first of all, you know, is it like something that you, uh, you put a lot of attention into and how innovation as a whole, as a topic, uh, is something that intrigues you or, you know, walk me through it?
1: You know, the thing that I think about innovation is that the driver of innovation is always need, which is what is the problem that the customer has to solve? How do you help them solve it? And so for me, the thing I'm always looking for is what can I do that's going to differentiate and change the way... That you know a customer can deliver at this point. How can they differentiate and change the way they deliver their customer service? And you know they say the necessity is the mother of invention. I think there are so many challenges out there. You know we we it's still just the very beginnings of of a lot of the the, the cl- of the cloud industry. And and you know we we believe we're already got an incredibly you know powerful suite of services out there in AWS. But we keep increasing the rate at which we are delivering new features there. And that was something that got me really excited because. I looked at it, we accelerate the number of, of um, features we deliver every year. And in Connect, you know, we've delivered hundreds of features since we launched uh, just three years ago. And we just keep pushing them out. And, you know, we, I, I personally love to invent, but I also love being around people who like to invent. And, you know, nothing gets you going like surrounding yourself with a group of individuals who are really passionate about going and trying to figure out a hard problem and saying, hey, we should look at this completely differently. You know, how could we increase, instead of increasing the speed of this by 10%, how could you increase it by 150%? You know, what if we just did this totally differently? And and, and that just gets me super excited every morning. I wake up and think about that.
2: So how do you cultivate innovation as
1: part of your uh, daily DNA? Culture really drives behaviors in ways that are incredibly important. One of the ones that really drives innovation, in my opinion, is letting people take risks. If you give people and empower people the chance to fail, they may fail um, and they may fail more often sometimes than you want. And sometimes they may succeed in the first try. But the thing about it is once you have that permission to go off and try things and to fail and, and then try again, that just fundamentally changes the way people think about their day-to-day it means that they can go try something out that they wouldn't have felt comfortable doing if they knew they had to just get that, as I said, you know, take that 5% improvement in performance. If you know you have to get 5% or you're going to be in trouble, then you're not going to be able to look at the 150% version because you just have to deliver that 5%. And so knowing that the people who work with me and the people on my team are able to take those chances, I think drives a lot of that, that comfort in going to try and innovate.
2: Let's talk a bit about openness and uh... And the way you integrate with uh, external, let's call it uh, integration points or external products that you need to add, to bring up to create a complete solution in in a market. So what was the design philosophy behind your openness uh, and integration uh, you know, aspects in, in the software?
1: Absolutely. One of, one of the tools we use a lot to try and think about any kind of problem where you know there's going to be tension is a, a set of tenants. And these are the things that help guide you. And one of the tenets we wanted to start with was that we needed to be open. Uh, it meant open means a couple different things to me. Uh, it starts with just with the customer who's using the product. Can they have access to their data? Can they control that data? Do they have, you know, can they, you know, for example, in the contact center world, there's call recordings are a popular thing, you know, you know, this call may be recorded for quality purposes. That's actually typically what most people are doing and a lot of people wonder sometimes what they are really doing with those call recordings. They're really trying to go back and help their agents get better. But those call recordings also may have a legal ramification for a customer. So they need to have access to them maybe for years, right? And so with the the call recordings, for example, we thought about would we build a complex call recording system like we see with most legacy solutions? And we said, no, what we should do is take them and put them in the S3, which is that general purpose storage solution. And the reason why that's super interesting is it gives customers incredible access to those call recordings in whatever way they want to because S3 is so well supported. Another really great thing about that is S3 is constantly innovating. So the call recording platform, if you will, or the call recording storage solution, if you will, is always getting better, you know, adding new retention policy tools, adding new ways to save money, letting people put it, you know, move things from S3 into Glacier to save money, all these different tools we have. So it's constantly evolving and getting better, even if Connect doesn't make any changes, the way we handle call recordings, which we're always trying to improve as well. But that's an example of that openness because people now have access to it. They can point all their tools at S3. Which each of our decisions, we try to take that same path. And what that means is it gives us a great advantage for our internal tools. So we have call recording playback inside of Amazon Connect, as you might expect. But if anybody wants to run some sort of artificial intelligence um, on top of that to say, you know, try to understand the sentiment analysis and whatnot, which is another product that we offer called Contact Lens, a third party can do the same thing. They don't need to come ask us permission. They can just go integrate immediately because we make those APIs available. And our strategy is generally to do that as many places as we possibly can in the product, so that instead of us building on top of, kind of sort of secret sauce, we use the same external APIs and and whenever possible, and deliver and deliver a solution that a third party could deliver. Maybe they want to deliver something different. Maybe they have a customer that needs something different. Maybe it's something that 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 they're an expert in. Um, even if it com- even if it competes with us on Connect, we're excited to have them do it because we think that just makes a better experience for our customer. And so one of our tenants is that we want to be an open an open system for people so they can build those solutions. And it literally says right in the tenant, in the definition, even if it competes with something we sell ourselves, that's good. So
2: in such a case that uh, a third party decides to develop uh, a piece of, uh, of a code on top of your solution, uh, and obviously, if it competes with yours, I understand this third third party needs to you know, to, to think a lot before doing it because then it competes head to head with you guys. But would it happen that uh, it's the other way around that you're looking at into a field and you're saying, OK, the third party's solution are not good enough and will provide a solution?
1: Our decision on how we productize things is driven by 95 percent of our features coming directly from customer requests. So basically, you look at what customers are asking for. When I went out and started asking customers if they thought it would be interesting to use you know, our internal tool uh, as an external product, Amazon Connect, it was really based on them saying, yes, we want that. And then I just sat down with them and I spent hours and hours and hours with each customer walking through the things that would really matter for them, and what would be game changing. And that's how we prioritized that initial feature set we launched with. Now, the feature set's grown a lot since then, but it really comes down to what the customers ask us for. That's always the way we're focused on our innovation. Now, we do reserve a, you know, maybe 5% somewhere in that range to say, here's an innovation that a customer may not think they need or may not understand it right now because it's something new or different and it's not the way people thought about it before. And, and we do have some of those. Um, but even those, I, we go test them with customers to make sure they can use them and want them. And it's something that will actually be game changing for them. You know At Amazon, one of the things I always say, another one of my tenants is, we want functions, not features. And so when you think about function, you want the customer to be able to achieve their goals with the product not look at a list and feel really good that they have every checkbox feature they have, but instead, when it comes down to solving a real-world problem for their end customer, are they able to do it quickly, efficiently, and inexpensively with Amazon Connect? When you look at our webpage, you won't see a long list of checkbox features. What you'll see is stories about how customers have actually achieved goals, you know, testimonials, uh, case studies, things like that, to see what customers really did with the product and where, how they were able to innovate, because that's the thing that's more, most compelling to us.
2: Very interesting.
1: In a podcast,
2: in, in our days, there are two questions I must ask So I'm starting with the first one, which is uh, AI uh, and and machine learning. Can you can you share with me maybe a bit about your plans and and activities around those areas?
1: Absolutely, artificial intelligence and and machine learning, I think, are obviously incredibly compelling um, opportunities for innovation. But I think they've also at sometimes gotten kind of uh, you know. We've seen people get ahead of themselves with it and promising things instead of focusing on real value, they've delivered things that don't necessarily provide value but sounds cool. Like, you know, I, I jokingly say sometimes, oh, did you get a scratch on your elbow, rub a little AI on it. They'll just go away. And the thing about it from our standpoint is in the contact center, it's a little different because, because you have such a large number of people who are interacting with your agents and who are um, in a stream of information where you can see the results. AI has a, is really, really compelling in this scenario. So you can use machine learning for a lot of really cool use cases. I'll give you a few of them that I think are super interesting in Connect. That I, you know, I think are are, are moving the needle. Connect actually includes, with no additional charge, um, lifelike voices. You can set up an experience in Amazon Connect that immediately is is one where it can be dynamic for the end customer because you can do things like quickly look up the history of that customer. And I'll use an example that I think is kind of kind of interesting, but like, let's say you're, you're waiting for a flight and your flight gets um, rescheduled. And so you call the airline, you don't want to hear, hi, press one for sales, press two for support, press three for flights. What you want to hear would be, you know, the nicest thing to hear is how can I help you? Even more nice is, Hey, I see you're calling about a flight that was just rescheduled. It's coming up in in 30 minutes. Uh, Is that why you're calling? Can I help you with that? And then the answer is yes, right? And then you say, okay, well, I can rebook you on the one, same one tomorrow because I can see this information. It, that would be at 8.30 a.m. on, you know, on Thursday. And if, that, if you have that experience, now this automated experience is really, really powerful. And you say, yes, I want that one. Or say, no, actually, I'd rather rebook it for next week and say, okay, I can do that too. Those experiences are really, really compelling. Now, the efforts we put in in building Amazon Alexa, you've probably seen an Echo. I don't know if you have one, but uh, you know, certainly I, I love mine. That technology and building that, that natural language understanding there in a real-world environment has enabled us to bring that technology to the contact center. And that, can be, that is integrated directly into Connect in a way where customers can set these up. And we actually have a program where we do these little boot camps where people come in and we might have as many as 100 people come in and they come in in the morning and I always say, bring a laptop, leave with the contact center. And so in the morning, we help them set up Amazon Connect, customize it to their business and set up some, some of these custom, inter, you know, experiences for their end customers. And some people have a real meaningful for that. Some people are just playing with it and want to, you know, test it out. And then by in the afternoon, we walk them through and they actually build a, a natural language understanding bot that actually runs inside of their contact center. So they went from literally zero to a, a natural language understanding um, experience for their end customers within a day. And so they walk out with this really, really cool experience. And that's just the beginning. Like, those experiences are great. The next thing is, though, how do you help people get better experiences for their entire journey through the contact center? And so Contact Lens is another product which we um, are releasing shortly and um, is already available for people to try in a preview. And this actually listens to the call recordings and listens to the calls, and it can give historical or real-time feedback to the agent, to supervisors, all these folks to say, hey, this call is not going as well as it should. Maybe we should think about something different here. Or this is the patterns we're seeing in the contact center, we're seeing these things. Or I want to categorize this call because I heard this, this you know, this statement. Like if someone said, I want to cancel my subscription, I want to tag every call where someone said that, and then I want to go listen to those and see what they were. I want to understand them. And I can have full transcripts, I can have the sentiment analysis so I can see if the customer was upset um, about or whether they were happy. Did I turn around this call so did the customer come in unhappy and leave happy? All these things now, we're using machine learning in these very real-world applications. So it isn't just, you know, where the rubber meets the sky. It's where the rubber meets the road for people to make meaningful changes in their contact centers. So that, that's incredibly exciting to me. And our investment in machine learning is, is just accelerating. We, we, you know, we've already delivered a ton of incredible products in that space, um, a number of them for Connect, some of them, you know, outside of Connect or can be used with Connect. And we're just going to keep doing that because we really believe it, it really helps people to understand their and customers better and then provide great customer service. So, AI is an area where I think this is, you know, this is just incredibly ripe for, for continued innovation.
2: So, before I go into my my must-have second question, you know, you gave an example about uh, an airline and stuff. I was wondering, you know, is it something that we miss, not flying any longer for the, for, uh, for a long time or…
1: So I look forward to, to, to being able to travel again. I think seeing the world is an amazing thing, meeting different people from all over the world, different cultures, understanding and learning about that is one of my big passions. So, so absolutely, I'm looking forward to getting, get, getting back to being able to do that more.
2: Which, which is, uh, directly leads us to my, my uh, second must have question, which, which is, you know, related to the uh, coronavirus, the way that you, you do your daily job. What about that?
1: You know, obviously, I think I don't think there's anybody in the world hardly who has not been impacted in some way by it. And so, the for me, the biggest thing about it has been how do I support the people who work with me and the people who work for me, and how do I support the customers who are counting us to deliver? And from my standpoint, you know, it's been incredibly fulfilling to be able to help those customers to help them with their challenges. I mentioned, you know, I mentioned that we had set up um, that one customer in eight hours. We've had a number of customers who've configured a contact center in a single day to help their end, you know, their end callers immediately. And folks have come to us and said, hey, you know, in the time it took me to sit on hold trying to get something set up with another vendor, we were able to actually complete our entire um, stand-up process with you. And that really made a difference because then the very next day, we were able to then start taking those phone calls And so I'm incredibly impassioned about wanting to deliver things that allow people to make those kind of changes. And my hope is obviously that we end up doing a lot more of that, you know, in situations where there's not, you know, something like coronavirus, but, but, but it's one of those things where having, having built a product to, to do that from the beginning now has really enabled us to help a lot of those folks. And so I know my team is incredibly excited by that and passionate about helping those folks. I know folks, a number of folks have worked all nighters or things like that when they, you know, and, you know, to try and make sure we've delivered that. We try to avoid those, obviously. But, but, um, but you know, when it comes down to it, if, if we can do something to help somebody, I think almost every human being has an innate want to be able to do that. And this has been a case where we've been able to. Um, again, I hope that we, you know, that, we, that things move smoothly through the rest of the year and we're, you know, where this is something we think about in the past as soon as possible. And I think all of us, uh, in the meantime, are just, I think everyone is just doing the best they can to really try and make sure that we're supporting each other, um, whether that's our colleagues, whether that's our customers, as much as possible. Sometimes it's, you know, reaching out and helping someone with a specific problem. Sometimes it's, you know, showing someone something they didn't know about. And sometimes it's, you know, just, you know, especially with people you work with, just listening to them and, and making sure you're understanding the challenges they're going through and making sure you're supporting them in that. And, and all those things, I think, are, you know, I've shown some of the best parts of the human race, I think.
2: I agree. If you look into the future, what else do you see? And how do you think this market will shape looking into, you know, three years ahead, five years ahead?
1: We're incredibly excited about the opportunities to to fundamentally change the way people interact with with um you know with their customers and it's going to be a lot of different pieces. We talked about AI and ML and you know that's going to be uh, something a tool that helps agents provide better faster answers, it's going to be something that helps anticipate and change the conversation from a guessing game or you know hoping that the person can understand it to actually being able to to predict what the customer is calling about and maybe even solve their problem for them. Um, you know, without having to ask more than a few questions, and today, I think most of the experiences folks have with contact centers aren't that way, and we really see that, I think, as the big c shift is making everything personal, everything dynamic, and everything um, interactive, uh, whether that's in in automated cases, sometimes using AI and bots, but also with human beings. Um, you know it's one of those things where yeah, I look at the eight customer service agents who use Amazon Connect, whether it be for Amazon or whether it be the external ones from our, all of our customers who use it, uh, you know, different companies who use it. And these folks are, you know, they're passionate about helping people. Like you see these folks and they, and they care very much. They come to the work every day wanting to help people. And it can be an exhausting job. I mean... You you obviously talk to people as a, an important part of your 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 business, and I'm sure you're aware of how how challenging it can be to to be to stay up you know to stay up and keep doing that over and over again. And when people are calling because they're upset or they have a problem or a challenge, you know it takes a very you know it takes a very special person to be able to say I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to help this person no matter what happens. I'm going to try and help them. Uh, you know even if they're mad, I'm going to I'm going to take that and try and lower their lower their concerns and address all those things. And so those agents are really uh, often just great human beings. They're people you'd want as your friends and, and that's what makes them a really good agent. The technology that we're delivering now is making their lives a lot more streamlined so they can just focus on that customer, whether it's providing suggestions, whether it's understanding what's happening on the call, just making taking notes easier by transcribing the call. And also the technology just needs to get out of the way of the agent. So the agent can really just be delivering for the customer. And, and those are areas where we just continue to see opportunities to innovate. And, I, and that's the part that gets me incredibly excited every, every morning.
2: But let me make it uh, a bit tougher. Um, everywhere you look today, you see automation is coming and you see, and you mentioned yourself, you know, that uh, bots are, are there and, and uh, all this uh, AI technology and you see autonomous cars and you see, so it's, it's getting there. Will there be a contact center of the future with humans or is it something that will be completely ran out by robots and by uh, artificial intelligence answering and uh, providing all the behaviors and stuff, but without, uh, you know, a human
1: being actually being there? I think the answer is unequivocally yes. I believe there's a value to -to human-to-human interaction. I think that value is greatly diminished when someone calls and they just want to know a balance um, check a balance and so I think there's a great opportunity for us to automate certain things that are are rote or you know even hopefully eliminate those things so the customer doesn't even need to call in in the first place, right? But when it comes to something where there's a personal aspect of it, where it comes where human judgment plays a role, where it comes for building a relationship, you know I think that that's an incredibly powerful human to human experience and so my expectation and, and the data has shown this is that we're not really seeing agents going away and in fact that you know in some cases in most case most of the data i see actually shows them increasing but the types of problems they're faced with and the way they're helping customers is changing radically and i think for the better you know to be honest if i can check my balance without talking to another human being that is a better outcome for me as a customer but if i have a problem where i really want to understand want someone to understand the problem and make sure it gets solved the right way like i'm trying to send a present to my mom and i want to make sure that i understand exactly what this thing is going to be or if i want to you know and pick the right version for her you know we, you know, there, there are some amazing stories of people staying online with people, you know, I'll use an Amazon example, but where people have been online with people for, you know, hours trying to help a customer make the right purchase decision. And the thing about that is that was something where the a human judgment was incredibly powerful for that customer. And, you know, in the middle of those things, there's a large, there's a large continuum where I think human beings provide a lot of value. Um, so I, 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 I think we'll see both and I think it'll be better for the end customer.
2: In terms of, you know, pure technology or what you've what you see and foresee in terms of the of the emerging technology as we see it today, what do you feel is something that might disrupt this industry and gives you you know sleepless night or at least you know makes you uh, assemble your team and say this is something we should watch out for
1: or embrace i I think we do embrace it. I think this is an, uh, a segment that hasn't evolved as much as it maybe it could have over time, and I think we have this massive opportunity to fundamentally change it right now so I like to think that, that that is really driving a lot of the success of Amazon Connect is the fact that we've taken this approach of saying, let's not have any sacred cows, let's just move forward and, and do the right thing for the customer and, and, and really hopefully change the way people think about customer service. And uh, you know, I, I see our customers doing that. I see them innovating at an incredible pace. Like one of our customers came to us and said, hey, we, we have a goal, we set a goal this year of running 100 experiments with different setups and configurations in Amazon Connect to see which one's the best one for our customer. And they, and I said, Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's tremendous. And, and I said, that's hundred experiments in a year is, you know, one every, every three or four days. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, how many did you do with your previous system? And I said, well, we did zero. <laughs> and I said, it was just too hard. And I, and with Amazon connect, you can literally do an experiment with a few clicks. You can set up an AB experiment or A B C D E F G H I J K HIJK experiment. Like you can take all these different permutations and then you can start measuring them immediately and seeing the impact to a customer right away. When I wake up in the middle of the night, uh, it's not in fear, it's an excitement, I have to say. It's the, the things that we can do to change the way people do this. And I suspect, you know, if you've called a contact center before, you've probably had experience, at least in some cases, where you know it could be better. And so we, we know there's a huge opportunity for that to be a great experience for customers. And, and some of the learning we have from Amazon's experience, we also share with our customers, you know, cap one into it. These are big customers who are amazing at customer service too, and we learn back from them. And so this birds of a feather are coming together and, and, and really sharing best practices, sharing learnings to deliver the best possible customer service. Uh, that to us is, is really exciting. How do you look
2: into privacy and, and all this, uh, let's call it security-related issue, issue? Because on one end, everything is open and we want people to innovate and uh, the APIs and the third parties. And on the other end, unfortunately, there are those guys that are trying to hack us and to uh, disturb us. So how do you look at those?
1: Yeah, security is is our number one priority at AWS and Amazon always. It's the top thing on our list. And if anything is ever, ever not where it needs to be, we would literally drop everything else to address it. We take that incredibly seriously on our behalf and we take it incredibly seriously to work with our customers in a a shared responsibility role because, you know, they have to also implement things in a secure way. We can't just do that for them, but our technology enables them to build incredibly secure systems and Amazon Connect is no different than other AWS services in that regard. To your point though, um, you know, and we use all the best practices that have been developed, you know, throughout, throughout the history of computing, we take those and we apply them to the cloud directly. Uh, to your point, though, I think the interesting um, aspect of this is that there are people who are bad out there, and we know that. And so, we build tools to help our customers see how how people are are using, you know, their customer service. We built these tools for ourselves to detect things like fraud using artificial intelligence. We have a team of folks who helps deliver that stuff. We work with our customers to understand the types of challenges they see and to avoid them. And um, you know, it is it is something you have to be vigilant for. We also, of course, will always work with law enforcement agencies if if there's is an issue where someone's doing something illegally and we build a lot of tools into the system to prevent that from the beginning so we don't have those kind of problems uh you know we're constantly analyzing the traffic patterns the usage of our our systems to understand how people are using them and make sure that they are using them in the way they're designed to be and our terms of service are extremely um are, are extremely specific about the fact that, you know, you cannot use our services for fraud or abuse, obviously. And we then go and work and to enforce that, um, constantly looking for any, op- any place where someone may be trying to use it incorrectly and, and, and shutting it down. Um, and we help our customers do that, too, because they could be a victim of someone trying to, to, trying to take advantage of that. It's an area where I think AI is also has some compelling opportunities there, too, because, you know, we can look at that data, which I talked about also, you know, over time, we'll have big good opportunities to use voice biometrics and other tools like that, too to be able to detect, um, you know, is this the right person? Is this the wrong person? Things like that. So it, it's an amazing, it's an amazing area where I think we, we are able to, uh, to decrease it quite a bit. And I think it's an area where we just keep pushing to push the envelope on what technology can do to make it even more and more resilient and, and prevent any kind of abuse, um, either to us or to our, our, to our customers. Because uh, again, um, it just, is, it has to be your top priority to, to maintain that trust and to always drive, a, drive security, uh, secure outcomes for your customers and their end customers.
2: Great. Let me try to uh, summarize with uh, one last question. Oddly enough, you know, not everybody around the globe decided on their uh, future contact center. So what would be your three main recommendation for someone, a C-level person that wants to take a decision and decide what should be the future contact center for his organization? What are the areas he should focus on and what are the areas he should look for uh, to make the right choice?
1: I always will go back and start with security, reliability, and I'll throw scalability into that because as we've seen this year, people's needs change drastically over time sometimes and you want to be prepared for that. So being able to scale elasticity with that reliability and that security, that should I think typically be the very first thing because you need the contact center should adapt to your business. You shouldn't adapt the... You should not be adapting your business to the contact center. And so the second piece of that is related to that, which is the pace of innovation you can achieve with your contact center. Can you make changes immediately? Can you see the results? Can you measure the results immediately? If you can't do that, then you're never going to be able to keep up with the needs of your end customers because those folks are going to be asking and demanding, and they should be demanding the very best customer experience. And if you can't move quickly, you're not going to be able to deliver that. And then the third third piece of it is... um, Are you working with a, you know, with a company that really understands and cares about customer service at the same level you do? Are you in this together? You know, is this something where they are really passionate about making sure you're delivering the right solution for your customers? Do they have the experience in doing that? Do they have, you know, have they built a great world-class customer service organization? And then are they bringing that to you and helping you do the same thing with your, and then also learning from you and having these birds of a feather conversation? I think that's just a, you know, that attitude about building a, you know, building a solution and not just a set of checkbox features, I think is one you want to look for because you always want to partner with the folks that are going to make you the best. And I always feel like, you know, our customers make us a lot better. I certainly hope we're always doing the same thing for them. Great. Pascal, it was
2: great time spending with you. I hope next time it will be over a glass of wine, a really good one. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me and see you next time
1: face to face. Same here. I would love that. Take care. Thanks for listening to future of tech
0: if you like what you heard and want more make sure to subscribe on apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and if you have any comments or questions feel free to write to our host avishai charlin directly on linkedin